Welcome to Future Shock. Uh, episode 6.0 is your cyber secure. Christian, is your cyber secure? My cyber is not secure, but I do want to make sure it is. So I'm glad we're talking about this. My cyber I, is not secure. I was imagining this was like a, is your refrigerator running kind of joke, but I don't have a punchline to it yet. <laughs> so maybe by the end of this, we can think of one. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right, so as always, Future Shock is myself and Christian, and here are our pictures, in case you don't know what we look like, but if you've seen one of our former podcasts or webinars here, you have seen us before. Uh, I'm with Map Advising, Christian's with Lagarde Group, and if you haven't figured it out already, uh, topic today is cybersecurity and specifically how it plays into workforce development because cybersecurity is a is a hot topic right now it's it's been an issue for a long time <laughs> at least 10 15 years we become more and more aware of the threat and the issue and we'll talk a little bit more about cybersecurity as a global crisis um, but the most important thing for our topic here is how that relates to workforce development. There's major workforce development considerations here. And yeah, and yeah right, Matt. I mean, even yesterday, uh, we saw the, the White House and the federal government put even more emphasis and devoting more money to cybersecurity training and cybersecurity workforce development programs, all focused around this eminent threat that we're under. So even from the federal level, as it pertains to training, development, et cetera, uh, more, more is coming, even more than was already on deck because it's such a big problem. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk a little bit again about cybersecurity as an issue in general, and then zero in on the workforce development. Well, there's also a workforce development crisis of sorts. Uh, with the cybersecurity workforce. So th there's a crisis there too. And we have some ideas of what we can do about that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we're going to start with um, the current state. And I'm going to hand it over to you, Christian, for talking about this. Sure. Thanks. Thanks. This is our current state. So how, how big is this problem? How big is this problem globally, as Matt was just describing? So the global average, I looked, I looked this up through, I think it was cyber... CyberWatch had the statistic, the global average cost of a data breach in 2020 was 3.86 million. Yeah. That's on average, that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a big number for no matter how big or small your organization is. And the fact that uh, they are targets against not just the large players, but the smaller players. And quite honestly, the smaller players are even more, more, more available to be preyed upon because they don't have all the infrastructure and they don't have all the security necessary. Yeah. So the SMEs, you know, the small medium enterprises, get hurt. Get hurt the worst. Uh, so that was a that was a pretty sizable number. Yeah, Matt. What were your thoughts when you saw that sort of four million dollar average uh, for this data? It's a big number, and it's not surprising. It's it costs folks lots of money to bring in extra engineers to deal with the issue, to pay out lawsuits. I'm sure lawsuits are factored into that number. Uh, paying to get engineers to re-secure your system or the outreach to your customers or the, the PR and marketing you might have to do to clean things up. 
um, it's a lot that has to that has to happen to solve the issue and then deal with the aftermath. Exactly. Exactly. So speaking of aftermath, and you know, one other as we're doing research for this for this podcast, we, we you know looking at ransomware and ransomware is surging. I, I believe it's up twenty percent from two thousand nine from two thousand eighteen nineteen. So year over year, it's going up eleven percent over the last two years, and it's surging. And you know why? Because companies are paying. This is why companies are paying the ransom. So what ransomware is for those who don't know is that a organization, an organization to wherever they are, organization or person uh, or people uh, take, take your data and hold it ransom. They don't delete it. They just hold on to it and say, if you want it back, you must pay our ransom, almost kidnapping your information, no matter how, you know, no matter what it is, if you're in, no matter what, you know, what industry or what, it, what you're in. So yeah. as we saw the big colonial pipeline, that was sort of the big, the big to do this past year, the colonial pipeline ransomware, they cut a check to their to their kidnappers of the data for $4.4 million. And the CEO came on and said exactly what Matt was just describing, that the cost to, to repair, the cost to, to resecure, the cost to reestablish, to call, all, all that far superseded what they were asking. They probably could have got more. But yeah, they, they paid out. more than the, the average cost of the data breach above. So that was just what they paid for the ransom. This isn't like the follow-along costs that Colonial Pipeline probably incurred from this. Um, and the runoff and all the, the the fallout from the, they were shut down for, I, be, I yeah. believe it was, I mean, I don't know, was it two weeks or something like that? But so they were they were shut down. And so that what did that cost assume? So yeah, thinking about how much the Colonial Pipeline lost during that breach over and above you know, their, their answer, over and above this $4.4 million that they paid to the ransom. Yeah, I, what, what was most surprising about me that I, I've, you know, only become aware of in the last several months is, is that people are paying these ransoms. Um, I, I assume most of the time they found ways to undo the, the lock on their data or whatever was causing them to pay a ransom, but that's not the case. Uh, most of the time they are paying the ransom now. It's sure. the fastest and easiest way to get back to their data. Um, and when they when the when they've locked your data and it's encrypted, there's very little chance you'll be able to unlock it without their their un, you know decryption tool. Exactly, which is a good segue to our next to the next current state: the use of artificial intelligence in these attacks and how malware penetrates into a network into or into a system. Where the difference between ransomware where they take it and then they sell it, they give it back to you once you pay their ransom. There's something out there called wiper malware, where essentially what the malware does is it takes it and it deletes all your information. So it's full, it's full deletion of your data. So it is destructive in the greatest sense of the word. And that's what malware can do. If you don't have the proper protections, you don't have the, the type of things that needed to protect yourself from that kind of cyber attack, malware can dis disseminate and just destroy or decimate was the word I needed you to decimate and destroy all your data. That's a, and that's a big problem for organizations. Yeah. And, and, you know, just going back to ransomware again, for one moment, there's, and you're talking about how it was surging Christian, that there's now a ransomware as a service. There's companies that are setting up shop. And if you want to uh, collect a ransom by sending out some ransomware to a hospital or a school or wherever, there's a platform that will help you do it. You don't have to have much tech skill. 
You just have to pay them and they'll do it for you. Uh, so that has sprung up in the last last year or two. I think the Colonial Pipeline one was actually through one of those ransomwares as a service or one of the more recent ones, if it wasn't that one. I did not, I mean, it, we're laughing. I mean, it's not funny, but at the same time, <laughs> the fact that it's become a business, yeah, right? So black, a black market, deep web, dark web, whatever, you know, whatever business that. It's a thriving black market business for sure. You know, and what I, when we bring up AI and malware, what, I, what we don't want to do, and Matt and I are incredible advocates of artificial intelligence, and we're watching to see what's happening with machine learning and what's happening out there. I mean, AI is a part of our, is a part of our world and a continuing part of our world. This machine learning aspect of how companies are doing business now and in the future is going to happen. So we're not trying to associate or coordinate or the, the, the fact that artificial intelligence and malware uh, are, are together. It's just the fact that this is where technology is these days yeah. right now with AI being where software is happening, where machine learning is happening and what's happening within the world of IT and artificial intelligence. It's just another device and another way that uh, that someone using this, this attack, using malware as an attack can use that machine learning and use AI in a, in a very negative way, uh, like, like many things can be used. We just talked about a second ago about the White House. Yesterday, the White House announced this, you know, another round of, of initiatives and potentially another round, a large amount of grants are devoted toward cybersecurity and workforce, but there's also private sector players as well. So at that meeting at the White House, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, were all there. And Google alone uh, committed $10 billion to combating cybersecurity and just adding to the, adding to what is, as we know, a, a big problem and adding to adding to the field. And it's great that the private sector is also stepping up because quite honestly, it's the private sector that has the most to lose uh, with, with, right. with this kind of activity. So, you know, seeing what's happening. So we're going to keep our eyes on what's happening with, with, with the private sectors, with the, with the apples of Microsoft, Google, yeah. and Amazon. And we're also going to be paying attention to what's coming out of the white house and department of labor and et cetera on uh, workforce development. Yeah, all of these, all of these players that are listed here are, are important partners because that that's how the, the attackers are exploiting vulnerabilities in the software of Apple, Microsoft, Google, that that's how they, get in when someone clicks a bad link or when they penetrate a system, they're exploiting these very systems. Um, the, each of these companies have growing cybersecurity teams. I mean, for some of them, I think Google and, and Microsoft, it might be in the hundreds by now, um, whereas it was a dozen people 10 years ago. Uh, but this is this is a good development. They, they all need to be working together on this, so. Exactly. Okay. So that's the current state. So Matt, like what, what, what are we doing about it? What are they doing about it? Let's, let's get into it a little bit more. Well, I mean, just talking for a moment about the ubiquity of cybersecurity, how it really pervades every industry. And, and we'll, we'll come back to this too, but it, it, every industry has impacted this. Just like the more we're hearing, you know, IT is its own sector when we think about workforce development, but it's also cross-sector. Every healthcare organization, every manufacturer, um, you know, every type of business has some kind of IT system. And along with any IT system, along with any interconnected device that's on a network that might touch the internet or have any connection to the internet, cybersecurity is a concern. And more and more devices are connected to a network, meaning 
and I mean by that, I mean open network that has access, you know, can be accessed in the cloud or can be accessed remotely. Cisco estimates nearly 29 billion connected devices by 2023. So this was actually their estimate that there'll be 3.6 connected devices per capita um, uh, in the world population by 2023. And so I calculate that to be about 29 billion devices. So this number keeps going up exponentially. And each one of those devices is, if it's online, it's hackable, it's a potential attack surface. And so we're not just talking computers and email systems and things that we're using every day. We're talking smart homes. We're talking sensors in the manufacturing line. We're talking CNC machines. Uh, we're talking the power grid in some cases. Uh, so it's, it's a very serious issue um, in even for devices that aren't connected to the internet, even closed systems that don't have access to the internet. It's, it's harder, uh, but they can be hacked too. Uh, usually there's a way to input data to them, a USB drive or something like that. That's, that's a way in uh, for hackers as well. It's much harder when these systems are what they call air-gapped, meaning they're, you know, there's literally air between them and the internet, um, but it can be done. So, And that, and that's that point too, Matt, about you know, the closed system and so the hackable attack service, you know, firmware attacks are also on the rise too. And what that is, what firmware is, is that that's hardware attacks. So to that point where like the firmware is a, is a permanent software code that's yep. within each, each individual hardware device, the fact that they're now able to penetrate the firmware and that's where Apple, kind of to the point about where Apple and anybody who has devices that are either wired or unwired, if they can get to the firmware, then that's it. I mean, it, it completely right. destroy a whole bunch of- well, those, are, those are the best exploits or the ones that they call closest to the metal, you know, the firmware, the thing, because the, that saw, the firmware you just mentioned that's on the chip inside the Apple phone, that gets reused over and over and over and no one goes back to check for the security in it. It's just reproduced and then people are building applications and software on top of it. So when, when exploits are discovered, um, that are in the firmware, those are really, really valuable if you're selling them on the black cyber black market cybersecurity because it's it, it pervade if it's something on the iPhone, it pervades every iPhone, um, every model of every iPhone. If you find something that's early firmware, so yeah, that's a very serious issue. So let's move on then. Um, one quick stop that I wanted to make. I just finished this book, wanted to highly recommend it. It's, I've learned a ton about cybersecurity from it. It's called, This is How They Tell Me the World Ends by Nicole Perlroth. She's a New York Times journalist that's been uh, reporting on cybersecurity for 10 plus years. She's uh, tracked cybersecurity and exploits uh, on the you know, underground market. Uh, it's a really interesting story about the history of cybersecurity the problem we have, it comes all the way up through 2020. I think it was finished in 2020, came out earlier this year. Highly recommended if you want to learn about cybersecurity. Um, moving on. Point. I'm going to read it. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but Matt's got me yeah, on. Yeah, I'm just, I, I, I was looking for a cybersecurity book and I happened to pick up this one um, earlier this year and just finished it. Um, and yeah, it was very, very informative, very cool and <laughs> very scary. If you read it, you come away like this is it's a serious issue that you know there's other nation states that are buried into our networks we're buried into theirs it's almost the cold war all over again 
<laughs> we're talking Russia and China and North Korea. Um, so it's it, very interesting stuff. Um, and also, if you're interested in kind of geo global politics, there's a lot of that in this. So that was not a commercial for Nicole Per Peroff. Like we're not. <laughs> Nicole doesn't pay us, of course. Uh, <laughs> no, no one pays us for this. <laughs> we do this. We volunteer our time for those of you that are watching. We volunteer this information for you. <laughs> okay. Um, so, what what are the workforce development implications for this? So. Currently, there's a really tiny workforce, uh, cybersecurity workforce, compared to the size of growing threats. Right now, there's estimates of over half a million cyber jobs that are going unfilled nationally. Um, and this is from the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, one of their estimates. There's a huge, huge need, and we're not producing anywhere near the talent. I mean, we're not, a, it's not even a drop in the bucket with how much, how, many, how much talent and focus and attention we need on cybersecurity versus what we have. Um, so we'll, I'll, I'll, on the next slide, we have a, just a, a little bit of a taster of how hard it is to get into cybersecurity, um, which is one of the problems. Uh, most of the people being trained in cybersecurity, they already have several years of experience in IT and they have multiple certifications if they don't already have a bachelor's and or a master's. Um, only the very like top tier, I mean top tier in terms of level of experience, number of certifications, experience in the field are really going deep and becoming cybersecurity analysts um, or engineers or net, you know, network security analysts, I think is the, the SOC code term for it. Um, and it's producing a very small number of cyber professionals uh, at the most advanced level, so. And I think that's, you know, part of what you're describing too and that the main point about how many people are being trained and the level of experience they need to get started. Uh, it, it's the, the on-ramp to get to that level, even to the beginning level. And now you can go to the next, you can go to the next slide for those that are watching, but for those that listen to the podcast, what we have up is the infrastructure and cybersecurity pathway from CompTIA. So it starts with the IT fundamentals plus to the A plus to network plus to security plus. That's four certs deep within, within the pathway of, of CompTIA, mm -hmm. the starting point, even the, the, the amount of digital literacy that's even needed to get the IT fundamentals cert is, very, is, is still at a level that's higher than some coming in that want to be trained or want to be in the field. So because of that reason, the long, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long game to get to that CASP plus, uh, that very few people, and it's a very, very hard certification to get. Um, same thing with the CYSA and, and now with, with pen tests is the, new, the newest and and most and, and growing field with penetration tester, but all everything you're looking at or anything that you that you know and see on the CompTIA pathway, it takes time. It takes a lot of know-how. It takes a lot of energy to get to get to that point. So for those that are thinking about it, to fill those jobs that we were just talking about, that 500,000 jobs, there's a lot. There's a lot of people that aren't ready for that. Just the readiness to get to that level is is very high. Yeah, and, and just for those that don't know, CompTIA is sort of a industry standard certification for uh, IT professionals, right? So folks coming early into the field, a lot of employers look for A+, um, if not IT fundamentals, um, an A+, certification, uh, which these are... These are not easy to get. You know, they take it takes a good amount of studying. They don't have the certification 
as far as I last checked, doesn't have a super high pass rate. It's it's difficult. It takes a lot of support. It takes sometimes some extra support and tutoring to get even the A plus for the average person. Um, and then look, you still have network plus and security plus before you even get to the cybersecurity. Uh, what they have here is pen testing or penetration testing, what they call SA plus, and then the CASP plus, which appears to be sort of their uh, pinnacle certification for cybersecurity. Sure. So it's a, this is a long way. This is hundreds of hours of, of coursework. Um, this is, these are probably very difficult tests, just knowing that CompTIA has a pretty high standard and it's not an easy test. And so if folks are hiring for cybersecurity engineers, I think it's highly likely they're going to be looking for some of these uh, certifications like the CASP plus on the end. Um, and that's the problem. Uh, they need to be looking for talent at multiple levels, uh, not just the highest levels for cybersecurity. And we'll get to that next here. Um, but anything more on this? Yeah, I just think, yeah, just just to, to what we were just talking about, sort of CompTIA, right? This is the, this is the gold standard in IT training. Right, CompT is the gold standard in IT training. It's what it's what employers demand on every job description in any of the roles and that they would be hiring for or upskilling their current employees. You have they CompTIA will show up. It has to be on your resume. It has to be on your LinkedIn profile. There's no way around it. Sure, Cisco has some things too, and there's some other sorts out there. But what we're what we're talking about is the gold standard for for IT and. Yeah. There's a reason why there's hundreds of hours because it's there is rigor involved and the design of these tests and the design of the exams and the curriculum. It's hard, you know, it's it's hard for a reason. Um, yeah. But yeah, at the and, same and time, it's just a maybe not every employer is looking for certifications. That's just one indicator of your skills. But if you didn't have these certifications, they would be looking for your cybersecurity experience. Correct. Uh, or your, you know, SOC um, analyst uh, job that you had last, um, security operations centers, or SOC. And so if you don't have the experience and you don't have the certs, it, it's pretty hard to get into cybersecurity and the, the way that this, the pathway is set up now, uh, generally. But here's what we kind of see is the couple of paths forward. So we first one, and I'll go back to the pathway, we really need to develop a lot more cyber talent at entry and mid-level IT specialist positions. So just going, I'm now I'm going back to our slide on IT fundamentals and A+, where these folks, and I've seen examples where this can happen, these folks can be working on cybersecurity. You don't have to be the network engineer to work on cybersecurity. Um, something like 95% of these attacks we're talking about with malware and ransomware are phishing attacks. So they're sending out hundreds of thousands of emails with bad links in them. They're just waiting for one person to click on that link and that gets you, them into your system. We can, we can train folks at the IT fundamentals and A plus level to research links, for instance. And, I, and I, I've worked with a company that's doing exactly that as a workforce development opportunity. Um, and that that's just scratching the surface, I think, of what we can do with folks with, you know, who are just getting into IT. They have to probably have some basic skills and some understanding of the internet, of computer functions and stuff, but they may not need to get even to network plus or above to start working in cybersecurity. Yes, to be advanced, to be an engineer, to be the analyst, to manage a SOC center, they'll probably, they'll have to have a lot more experience and probably more certifications, but we need a lot, lot, lot more in this early end of the pathway. And we need to be very focused on that. 
Um, we also need more that make it all the way through and become engineers. But um, I think the, maybe the bigger workforce opportunity is in the early end of the pathway here in cybersecurity. You know, one, and one thing I'll add to that too about uh, the, the amount of positions, right? That we talked about 500,000, we talked about developing that, that talent pipeline, that the, the cyber talent pipeline in. But I've seen a lot of initiatives have in it, and, he, and CompTIA has also done it too, is about fit. So as it pertains to workforce development initiatives and planning for that, not every person who doesn't have a job or needs a better job is fit for IT. Yep. So there's things out there, there's, there's assessments out there like Wonderlink. Right now, CompTIA is, is, is I think they're piloting right now the use of Wonderlick for fit for IT before they enter into a program or a training for A+. Mm -hmm. So that just exacerbates the problem that we're talking about, right? So now not only is there a half million jobs that are open, but the, fa the fact that the 8 million people have to, are out there looking for a new job that fit this role to be in IT, that it just it, it just becomes just a just a nightmare. And now, now that I'm looking more closely at this graphic, Christian, I'm wondering what that dotted line between IT fundamentals and A plus means. So for the rest, yeah, for those listening on the podcast, there's a clear dark arrow between each of these certifications, but between IT fundamentals, the very first one. And A+, plus, which is one of the industry standards, is a dotted line. Does that mean IT fundamentals does not exactly lead to A+, plus or doesn't exactly prepare you for A+, plus? It, do, it does. It does. It does? It's, okay. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I would like to get that certification myself, uh, IT fundamentals. It's, it's not. Well, what do you think the dotted line means then? That's what I'm, now I'm puzzling over why there's one well, dotted yeah, line I, between those two. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good, now. Well, I guess now we'll have to ask CompTIA that. Yeah. I'm going to ask CompTIA about that. Uh, what I think is that it's like you don't, you can sit for eight, eight plus. IT fundamentals is new. IT fundamentals is less than five years old. Actually, yeah, I think it's less than five years old. So I think what the, this indication is you can start training and there's training, well, lots of training out there, lots of curriculum at community colleges and workforce boards to go right to A plus. You can bypass okay. IT fundamentals. It's one potential way into A plus. Right. It's definitely it's the entry level. A plus to get to network plus. Okay. I think I'm correct. following. Correct. Correct. Right. That's, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, going back to our, our paths forward, they, besides training more at the entry and mid-level, there's so many folks that are should be more aware of cybersecurity. So for the fundamental cybersecurity of your organization, of your business, you need to be training a lot more people. It's happening more um, of making sure that people are turning on two-factor authorization. People know how to spot a phishing attack. Again, 95% of these attacks are from phishing attacks. It's from someone clicking a link in your on an email and that's how they got into the business or got into the system. Um, it's also an upskilling opportunity. Uh, we started, Christian and I were just brainstorming on this, but there could be someone who's sort of your safety, cybersecurity safeties are at the, at the office that's going around checking and make sure, they don't even have to be an IT person. It could be an office manager that's trained to kind of help people with their cybersecurity awareness. Um, and that's really industry agnostic, right? Just like IT is in every industry, cybersecurity um, is in every industry and every business should be thinking about cybersecurity, have a plan, have people trained in it. Um, so. Right. And, and to that point about, uh, and to that point about upskilling, right? Because cybersecurity is industry agnostic, you could 
you don't have to be the IT whiz. You could work in healthcare. You could work in education. You could work in advanced manufacturing. At some point, cybersecurity is going to impact your job. It's going to impact your organization in some way. Um, if it's stealing information for you know social security numbers from a community college, or if it's breaking into to the machines that are running within your plant for advanced manufacturing and shutting it down or taking control of the of the of the robotics or the CNC machine, you know you don't want that to happen, but these things are happening. So because of that reason, like just the lens of cybersecurity can't just be about so focused on, oh, it's just an I, it's just impacting IT and IT things. No, it's not. It's impacting every single industry, no matter what. So to Matt's point about that upskilling opportunity, choosing employees that could potentially upskill with their current baseline IT training to give them more information. Something as simple as that two-factor authorization there's a couple of organizations that I've worked with that, yeah, I had to do that too now. I mean, I, I'm using like a Google Authenticator app to get into my to get into my email or Duo Mobile, so I can access my my you know, my my uh, email, my Canvas account, or yeah. my so yeah, you know that that two factor authorization is 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 a big is a big big security blanket for yeah. organizations, and it you know yeah. it didn't it doesn't have to come from from somebody who's a uh, who's a top level. Who's a top level cybersecurity specialist? Yeah, if you you know, in reading that book I mentioned earlier, uh, some of the major attacks were basically brute force password attacks. They went in and they tried thousands of different passwords and got through that way. If you have two factor authorization on, they can't do that. Sure. Um, they would need the password plus the the text or code or or what have you to to get it. It's a lot harder to Brit to penetrate those systems. Um, but that, I think, is going to bring us to the end of today's episode 6.0. Is your cyber secure? Um, <laughs> uh, do we have a punchline yet? I don't know. But I definitely feel more secure. You know, the fact that, the fact that we just... You better go up, get it secure. So. I, get, I need to stop phishing. That's really what I, I need to stop phishing and stop opening up random emails. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, all that... Every, everything we talked about and everything that we that we sort of shared today, you know, Matt and I are intimately involved in several cybersecurity initiatives, um, both from the from the federal government, state side, et cetera. Uh, so I don't think that this topic is going to be something we're going to drop anytime soon, Matt. I think we're yeah. going to it's going to be an adjacent. I think, topic. I think it's only going to grow in importance in every space, including workforce development. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, Matt, we got another one in the can. Always yep. a pleasure. Uh, episode six. Uh, thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for watching it. If you're on YouTube, thanks for listening. If you're on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, everybody. Bye.